Welcome to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtliff. This show is heard on WBCQ The Planet every Monday evening at 7.30 uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and it is repeated on Fridays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's heard all over the world. And if you're listening to this uh, on shortwave, I would hope that I would ask that you contact us. Visit our website, campconstitution.net, and where it says contact, say, yep, I'm picking this up, and let me know where in the world that you'll be picking us up. And uh, and we do appreciate you listening. You can also listen to this show on our various podcast platforms. Our sister ship is Podomatic, but we also are on Spotify, Amazon, and uh, half a dozen or so others. It's brought to you by Camp Constitution, which, among other things, hosts a week long uh, a week long uh, family camp coming up July fourteenth to the nineteenth in. Singing Hills Christian Camp in Plainfield, New Hampshire, in the next year. We also have weekend retreats, ladies' retreats. We just uh, signed a contract for a ladies' retreat, April 12th to the 14th, Friday to Sunday, at the um, Alton Bay Christian Conference Center. And we'll have information about that more details shortly on the website or and on the Facebook page. We have a great amount of resources. We just added uh, a resource a few weeks ago. It's a book in PDF format only. It's about 60 pages. It's called How to Win a Gunfight, Even If You're Not a Great Shot. And it's uh, written by our friend Charles Van Vake of South Africa, who actually had a few experiences, one of which, and we interviewed him back in September, where he actually saved the lives of countless dozens of people, maybe even hundreds, by simply firing back at four communist terrorists. All he was armed with was a snub-nosed 38, which I think only has five rounds, or maybe six. And these guys had a, they didn't have AKs, but they had uh, automatic weapons, and they murdered 11 people, and they threw hand grenades uh, with nails on uh, outside to, to do maximum damage. And about 15 years later, he's in another gunfight where they tried to carjack um, carjack his vehicle. And he goes into details about, uh, and this is written, he said, written mainly for Christian men who uh, uh, adhere to the, the various biblical mandates to protect your family. You know, Jesus said, sell your cloak and uh, to sell your cloak and buy a sword. And of course, if it was today, it would be uh, something like an AR or an AK. And it, but there's some really good points. Again, he's not a he's not a expert uh, munitions guy. You can't if you ask him uh, what grain of bullet or what's the maximum he prays up. He said, "I'm not a gun guy." He said, uh, "You know, you, you, you don't have to be an expert to have some basic, even some good skills." And a lot of it is just training yourself to be aware of your circumstance. And he said, "The best gunfight is no gunfight." In other words. The would-be assailant uh, knows that you're armed and knows that you're going to use it and would uh, decide not to uh, participate in any attempt at hurting you or your family. But loved ones are even strangers. You know, when I'm carrying my uh, my handgun, uh, I'm going to protect everybody around me. And so people I don't even know that may be in harm's way, I, I'm helping them. So it's uh, it's this idea of you, you love your neighbor, even if the neighbor's a complete stranger. So that's available on our website under downloads. 
uh, and just scroll down and you'll be able to find it. And it's a free download. So we, uh, and also uh, folks, uh, over the years, we've discussed Planned Parenthood on a not regular basis, but we brought it up depending on the guest on the show, the topic, but back in November of 18, uh, of 2018, it was uh the last day in November, uh, we had Reverend Kraft, uh, Reverend Stevie Kraft, our camp chaplain. At that time, he was still living in New Jersey, but he'd come up to the Boston area to do some uh, some some things on our behalf. And uh, I took him to a soul food restaurant in Mattapan Square, which is a neighborhood of Boston. And after that, we visited the uh, street that uh, the late uh, Clarence Gamble lived. Now, Clarence Gamble was an heir to the Procter and Gamble fortune. He was the grandson of one of the founders, or I should say a co-founder of Procter and Gamble. Uh, he would graduated from Harvard Medical School, like with the John Hopkins, and then off to Harvard Medical School. His uh, he wasn't a really country doctor that would visit you with a stethoscope and uh, you know well as a child. His uh, particular interest was population control, steril forced sterilization in eugenics. Eugenics, of course, is the, the science, so-called, of uh, uh, making uh, humans better, human betterment society. And it's not necessary to give advice on how to eat nutritionally or what things you should read to uh, for your mind. It's a way to curtail what he considered inferior stock. And he worked with Margaret Sanger. And uh, what, ha what he did was uh, he was one of her longtime colleagues from the 1930s up until the 60s they both passed the same year so anyway i thought now that, that there's a letter that is available right now on you can go to google images and find it it's actually three pages it's written a uh, typewritten on note uh, note paper it's written by margaret sanger it's dated december 10th 1939 and uh this talks about the negro project which was a project created by sanger and some of her cohorts to promote birth control in the inner cities among blacks, Negro, not inner city, I should say even rural areas, but to target blacks. And the goal was to get black doctors, black clergy members involved because they know the trust that the uh, the average black person had in those days for a black doctor. And they thought, well, the blacks respect white doctors, but they really don't let their hair down. They're sort of standoffish. They don't completely trust them. And so they don't let everything, hey, this is what we really think. But they figured black doctors, and of course, clergy, even today, the black church is still a place that has a lot of influence. Unfortunately, most of it promoting communist and socialist causes. There's some wonderful, notable exceptions, but and uh, our friend Vince Ellison, who happens to be black, will be the first one to tell you. And I, I actually, uh, when I first met Jesse Lee Peterson, he told me that he didn't become a racist until he started attending a black church. And that's where his racism uh, um, was incubated and everything was the white man, the white man, the white man, the white man, the white man. You don't have a job. It's the white man. You can't get along in life. It's the white man. You having trouble with uh, with things. It's the white man, the white man, the white man, always the white man. Then he realized, no, it's not the white man. It's me. Look in the mirror. I'm the one that's at fault. Not, I can't blame. Yeah, there's some rotten white men out there. I'll be the first one to admit that. But you can't blame all of, or you know, Philip Wilson just say the devil made me do it. No, sometimes you make your own decisions. It's not the devil that's making you do it. Sometimes it's just you making you do it. Anyway, 
uh, digressing just a little bit. So, so uh, I, I found out, I found out about this letter some years ago. I can't say any particular time. I say, oh yes, I remember it. But I, I did read. I should. I wrote. A, I read a book called Grand Illusions, written by George Grant. It's uh, the Legacy of Planned Parenthood. I think that's where I saw the the um, the the information about the Negro Project. So uh, I used to say, hey, Rev, I, I looked at the address uh, that Margaret Sanger sent it to, to Gamble. He lived in Adams Street in Milton, Massachusetts. And I'm very familiar with Milton. I used to live right now. I lived, I grew up in the Hyde Park section of Boston. Milton abutted um, Boston and uh, Hyde Park and um, uh, what else? Hyde Park and Mattapan. So uh, I, I said, hey, uh, so I just thought, hey, Rev, why don't we go across the street from the house? And I qualified in this little video. And I do have to make a disclaimer. I made a little mistake. I said that he was the president of the Eugenic Society. He wasn't the president. I, 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 I got the information saying that he was. He was very much involved, but he, he was not the official president. He may have been ahead of a local affiliate, but I, uh, I can't say for sure that he was. But he was definitely a, a big supporter of eugenics. There's no question about that. So anyway, um, I had Reverend Kraft read the letter. Uh, as I and, and with commentary, and we're both commenting on things, and uh, and we we want to qualify that. Don't know who owns the house, that, so please don't come to the house and say, "Hey, have a protest." And so, the house he died in '66, uh, so he's he's uh, he met the Lord, and we hope he made his peace and accepted Christ and atoned for his sins. But uh, I don't know about that. But so the, the address isn't the issue. But I just thought it gave, it gave it more of a of a, uh, a realistic thing. Here's the house where he lived. This was a real person. This was his house. But as he was, as we were doing the video, I noticed just a few doors down uh, was the home of Prescott Bush. And Prescott Bush, the father of George H.W. Bush, in fact, that house, which is a private residence today, is no longer owned by the Bush family. But H.W. was born in that house. There's actually a little marker there saying that he was born there. And Prescott was Planned Parenthood's first treasurer. And you could see some of his, uh, you'll find his names on some of the Planned Parenthood uh, letterhead that he was a treasurer, going back to the early 40s. And I thought they must have known each other, obviously uh, living so close together. So I thought, I wonder if there's any communication, any, any letters written between the two of them. So I discovered that Gamble uh, donated his papers to the Harvard Medical School Library. Uh, I forget the name of the, uh, the the exact name of it. So I made an appointment. This would be now. I mean, I did this is something I didn't do like next day. It, this was a, it took me a while. I mean, I had a lot of things going on, so I just couldn't just drop everything and go to the library. So I went to the library. It would have been January of 20, 2020, right? You know, a few few months before the lockdown. And I couldn't photocopy anything. I couldn't take it to a copy machine, which is, you know, obviously it would degrade the paper. So I had access to the papers, the actual, right, you know, and they weren't covered or anything. So all I could do was take pictures of them. And some of them were in uh, where they where they were uh, in, in binders that were kind of hard for me I, to pull out and take a picture. So I got pictures. I took about maybe 80 pictures of things that I thought were uh, germane to what I, but didn't find any correspondence between Gamble and Bush, but I found the Margaret Sanger, a, a lot of the correspondence, and I can't say it was all, 
Uh, it was some from 30, 38, 39. Uh, I think after 41, I didn't see any until uh, late 40s, early 50s. And I think the last letters was 52 or 53. Uh, but it's very revealing. And that Negro Project letter, well, the one, there was a number of them. There was also a Puerto Rican project. And what was interesting, too, is this Negro Project letter, Margaret Sanger said, we don't want word to get out amongst, and I'm, I'm not quoting it verbatim, but close to verbatim, amongst its more radical members that we wish to exterminate the Negro. Now, it's pretty obvious, you know, what did she mean by that? And her defenders, and she's got a lot of them, uh, they look, overlooked the fact that she was at a Klan rally uh, in New Jersey, uh, spoke at a Klan rally. They overlooked all of this stuff because they just, what she did was so important, so groundbreaking, you know, uh, having uh, women be able to control how many children they have. And look, how's it really working out for us, though, folks? And that, that's another issue, too, the fallout. You know, how great is this Planned Parenthood? How's it working out for people? Um, but she's so. She may not have wanted to exterminate the Negroes, but she definitely wanted to con control their births. That's 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 obvious. So, however you want to interpret that letter, and that she used the term "colored Negro," you know, she was this white woman. Uh, she she's from a poor background, but she married into wealth. So, you know, she she was a, a this white woman who knew what's best for the downtrodden Negro. You know, I, I think of that song by Elvis Presley in the ghetto that actually was very popular in the black community. But he, uh, the song starts off with um, another another hungry, another mouth to feed as of somehow what God calls a gift, a precious human being who, who Christ died for is nothing but but a hungry mouth. And I don't think Presley had any racist attitudes when he wrote that, but people read that. Uh, and they hear that, oh, it sounds like, but no, it's not a, just a hungry mouth. That hungry mouth could become a, uh, could become an inventor, could become a father, a great, a great mother, uh, somebody who, th th some great work. Well, it's not just a hungry mouth. We're a lot more than that. But that's how we're doing. Oh, if you're poor, you're not really, you really shouldn't be around. You know, uh, there are too many poor people having too many children and their low IQ. And it wasn't just black, by the way. They looked at white people, too, of low IQ and certain uh, white ethnic groups. Anybody, the Mediterranean, you know, Greek, GNC, but Greek, Italians. Uh, these were, and, and there was also some letters. Uh, there was a nurse, a doctor, I should say. She was uh, opened up these these uh, clinics and it's always in black communities. And one of the letters she sent to, I think it was to Gamble, she said that there were too many colored people being born. <laughs> wow. And one of Sanger's letters, and it was in the early 50s, she's lamenting that she's not really getting, uh, are we really making much of an impact? She says, I can still hear the shrieks of children on the America's playgrounds. Well, what was her goal? To kill all, to have no children left in the world at all? So, Anyway, the pro my, my goal was to publish this, and uh, I, I did, actually, if you go to our website, go to our blog, you'll see all of the letters. I uploaded them in the blog, but the problem is uh, the resolutions are pretty poor because uh, it's typewritten, and the letter, you know, the stationery is, you know, it's old, you know, at least uh, 70, sometimes 90 years old, and so the, uh, so what I've been doing, and we've had some setbacks, but I'm almost done 
with, and I'm not a fast typist. I had a few folks that had volunteered, but they got busy. They couldn't do it. So I'm in the process of publishing this with all of the letters that it would be in a type format. And it will be in a PDF, Word document, PDF, and then a book format. And I'll, then I'll have pictures of the letters next to the, the you know, as, I've, as they're written on the page. Uh, also, as I'm writing, the, as I'm doing this, I'm looking at some names. I'm saying, okay, some of these names aren't that well known. These are people that funded, that made it happen. Um, also, there was a woman, uh, Mrs. Rose, or Miss Rose. Her name was Florence Rose. She was a, a left-wing Jewish woman from New York. And uh, by the way, I'm saying that not not to uh, not to denigrate you. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying her background. Because they had people, they had people from all different backgrounds. Dr. John Rock, who was a, supposed to be a good Catholic, and he was the one that pioneered the birth control pill, uh, very much against the teachings of the, her, the Catholic Church. And there were Protestant clergy that were big on this. The Methodists were the first ones to embrace family planning. So uh, the blame, I'm not, I don't want you to misconstrue, but they just say her background, you know, so she was from a secular social, socialist, basically. And she was the one that was in charge of the program itself and she started an, a negro advisory group so here's a white woman started an advisory group of black and w.e.b dubois was one of them he was one of the he was a you know a, a, one of the founders of the naacp later became a communist so this was a far left movement and really the goal was to destroy the nuclear family that's really the ultimate goal while they're saying they're helping women and so there's a few other people, uh, some of them I, may, I was able to find information on. It will be incorporated in the book. There'll be some of my commentary as well. We're going to have Reverend Kraft write the foreword to it. And it's not going to be a big tome. But I'm also going to add the uh, Martin Luther King's acceptance letter at the first annual Margaret Sanger Award. He was uh, the first, but there was several recipients of this, including Lyndon Johnson, a yeah, good old Christian boy from Texas, right? Because uh, he was a big supporter, and you know, the federal government got involved with family planning. They that was their big goal. Is they get once it's all private. Initially, it was the private sector. Uh, Haynes, by the way, Haynes Hosiery Company. It would be uh, the one of the founders. So one of if he wasn't a founder, he's one of the main figures. In 1947, he and uh, Dr. Gamble started the Human Betterment Society of North Carolina. And uh, when uh, when they would say what they, they they would go down to North Carolina and they'd say, hey, this is what we want to do. Oh, we don't like this. Oh, but we're going to focus on the black community. Oh, why'd you say so? Oh, sure, we'll support it. So uh, racist to the core. Uh, there was also uh, there was a Dr. Siebels, and there was another person. I'm trying to think of his name as I just as I was typing, but he was uh, in the um, he was a in the uh, the PR. He was a big PR guy. Uh, advertisement, and he donated a lot of his money to. So you go, you go onto uh, uh, Wikipedia, and there's information about it. it. Doesn't mention anything about the Negro Project, though, of course. So hopefully, we're going to get this published uh, and made available by uh, early next year. Um, here it is, uh, mid-November. You know, and of course, I thought I'll just have the letters, but now as I think lo the Lord is saying, "Hey, add this, put this in, do this," and I found the information about uh, Rose. Um, Florence Rose, and there's some other people that uh, that again I'm going to be incorporate into the uh, into the book, and again it's going to be more of a booklet, and it's uh, 
we, we're hoping to distribute it. We'll probably send a lot of advanced copies around to uh, friendly outlets, and even some not so friendly, be, because uh, people have done. The sad thing is, well, the Negro Project itself ended in 43 or 42. Its legacy lives on. I mean, they had Martin Luther King pushing it. So once they got it, once they got the ball rolling, then other, then it was done by others, and now now the federal government promotes it. And today, look at the impact they've had. Margaret Sanger. I mean, she's. I don't think she. Hopefully, she made her peace with God. Probably didn't. But um, her legacy lives on. Uh, well, there are more in certain parts of the country in the United States and uh, New York State, New York City. There are more more black women in their births by abortion than by, I mean, should say, in their pregnancies by abortion, more than half. And as far as family planning is concerned, how good has that done the family? What a wonderful thing, right? That was the God. It was, and there are some, I think, were ideologues that actually thought they were doing God's work by trying to eliminate all these poor people. And well, at the time, they that project, well, in the early 60s, there was a black um, out of wedlock was 20%. That was unacceptable. 21 out of five. That's really bad. Now it's 75 to 80%. Is that a good thing? So have that really worked? Has family planning been such a great savior? And you look at, we have a negative birth rate. Is that a good thing for a country, for an economy? And the only way to offset that is massive immigration. That's what the left tells us. And they tell us, a one, oh, this is the replacement. You know, you know, we're not having enough kids, so we got to bring in people from other parts of the world. And they'll say, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. When they even say it, Charles Chuck Schumer said it. So I, so I probably have to add that in there a little bit, too. So I'm hoping that, um, again, we get this all published, all ready to roll by, uh, by early uh, January. And I'm kind of excited about it. Like I said, I, it was... Something I didn't work on every moment, but you know when you you, have, you get busy with a lot of things, and then our times you say, "Yeah, I just got to do this." And sometimes it was a little painstaking. And I thought, you know what, the floodgate opened up, and I said, "I got to get this done." And I, I'm uh, I'm getting uh, you know ideas, and I think it's going to be a good product. And uh, and I and, and it was laid upon me to to uh, to add the uh, Negro, I should say, uh, uh, Martin Luther King's acceptance speech. Um, and it was fascinating how Martin Luther King is all things to all people. To Republican conservatives, he's a Republican. To the far left, he's one of them. To the moderates, he was a moderate. To uh, to the born-again Christians, he was a born-again Christian. Well, there was only one Martin Luther King. He couldn't be all those things. Now, he may have been one thing and then he changed, or he... He, in the middle of the middle of his life, he said, "Oh, you know what? Maybe this isn't what I should be doing." And uh, you know, like um, like Dr. Nathanson, who was a big pro-abortion guy, he was the co-founder of NARAL, and he became pro-life. So that happens. But with King, it didn't happen. King was nothing more than a leftist agitator with using the clergy, and his his dad may have been a, a great preacher and a devout. But King knew, he knew the road, and he knew what he was doing. The people will say, oh, well, he really didn't know what he was doing. And, you know, his niece, Coretta, is a wonderful lady, and, I, it, you know, she defends him, and I can understand that. It's her, her uncle, and, you know, she obviously, the, the name gets, gets her recognition. She's a devout lady, a patriot, loves America, and I certainly wish I was wrong about King, but the facts tell me otherwise. 
1966, he was he did not actually attend the event. There was a speech that he presented. His wife Coretta, who was even more leftist than he, than him, than he, uh, read the speech. He was unavailable. Uh, and it's just uh, I'm so. Uh, but you read the speech. Uh, he maybe didn't even write it, but he must have approved of it. He he was th that did not come from a man who Jesus Christ is his Lord and Savior. It came from a humanist. When you read his speech and family planning and unwanted pregnancies and all these kinds of things, unwanted pregnant coming from a clergy member, you know, and uh, so it was interesting too. It didn't take too, Planned Parenthood too long from birth control to abortion. Now, Margaret Sanger is on record and her defenders will say she she was very much against abortion, and there's a lot to to, to uh, verify that. Now, the man who was the co-founder of Narrow National Associate National uh, Abortion Rights Something League, uh, they wanted to make abortion legal, and once they made it legal, they he had to change a mission to really promote abortion. Still, and Larry, I'm trying to think of his last name. He's his character is featured in the movie uh, Roe v. Wade. Larry Later, yeah, L A D E R. And he was a, a big Margaret Sanger, and he, he believes that Sanger would have completely supported abortion. That would be the natural next thing. There is a few, it was one letter in the Sanger gamble where abortion is referenced, as well as uh, sterilization. Uh, but they didn't really go into it too much. It was some meeting they were going to hold, and they needed someone to present the, uh, present the issue of abortion and sterilization. And um, I do want to point out too that it could be that there were no, there weren't any letters between Gamble and Bush, Prescott Bush, because they didn't need to write letters. They lived close to each other. They could communicate verbally. And there's an old uh, maxim. Uh, I can't, I can't. It's not verbatim, but it goes something like, uh, "It is better to speak than to write. It is better to." Uh, I think to wink than to write, and it's better to nod than to wink, or something like that. Well, the bottom line is, if you write something, you have a document, you have some kind of okay, this is written, and you can destroy a letter, of course, but a letter could be could be duplicated. In those days, they didn't have internet, uh, and so you can communicate things without writing it down, and no one's really going to know besides the people who were in earshot of the two communicating. Or you know you could uh, you could know let your intentions be known by a wink or a nod or you know nod your head uh, and I think the talk show host Harry Carr uses that uh, expression on a regular basis and so that may be why there wasn't any correspondence between Prescott Bush. Also, I want to point out too. Well, today um, I think every single Black Democrat member of the House and Senate belongs to Planned Parenthood or at least supports it. That's saying a lot, you know. Can imagine if they can't, if they were all clans members. Now they'd say, "Wait a minute, now how would they official? Why would they support the clan? The clans, you know, they hate blacks. They didn't want to support black. They want to do everything to to put them in their keep them in their place, so to speak." But Planned Parenthood was the intellectual clan. They didn't have they didn't have uh, hoods. They didn't burn crosses. They didn't uh, you know threaten black people who want to vote. They just want to curtail their births. And they get the support. That's why it's amazing. Even when you point this out, this is the 
the reprobate mind that the Bible, the, the word of God tells us that people were left over to a reprobate mind. Even knowing these facts, they were, um, who was it? The football player running for the U.S. Senate. He was, he brought these facts up in a debate. It wouldn't matter. They, the lefties still voted. The, a lot of blacks still voted. Herschel Walker running as a Republican. And he brought these facts up. And uh, uh, Womack there, he is the, the uh, he runs, uh, he's the pastor of the King Martin Luther King's church. Didn't matter to him. Abortion was a, they love abortion. It's biblical, I guess. Uh, they must think it's, it's in the word of God. Of course, it's not. But it's just amazing how people can call themselves Christians and support abortion up until, and it's not even rape and incest or, you know, but over the first 15 weeks, it's up until the baby's, even after the baby's born. Anyway, uh, I'm just, uh, ask, just pray that uh, we uh, that we can just be guided right and that, that this this particular little booklet will open up the ears and hearts and minds of people that reach that, that get it. Well, we're gone to less than a minute. Uh, I want to thank you for listening to Camp Constitution Radio. I ask that you will uh, share it. If you like what you hear, please share the message, uh, repost it. You can download it and put it on your whatever you want, any site you want. And if you have any suggestions of people I should interview, um, please let me know. And with that, we want to thank you. And until next week, may God richly bless you. You've been listening to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtliff, broadcast on WBCQ The Planet. And until next week, may God richly bless you.